You're listening to You've Been Hanged, hosted by Hank Griffin, writer, man of faith, Parkinson's warrior, traveling man, and storyteller. Wonderful stories, home cooking, thoughtful lessons, and candor about life with Parkinson's are his to share. Relax for the next several minutes with your friend, neighbor, and brother who loves you. The sun had long set. Dearest Love and I retired to the family room to look at TV back when we still did that. Watching the program, I noticed that I seemed to have a twinge of some kind in my neck. Once in a while, it'd give a sort of jerk or spasm. I thought little of it as these things come and go. As the evening wore on, beautiful woman asked, Honey, are you okay? Yes, ma'am, I believe so. Why? Your head keeps twitching, she said. Does it? Yes, it's been doing that on and off for a few days now. Has it? I hadn't realized it had been going on for so long. As the days and weeks passed, these uncontrollable movements became more pronounced, frequent, and stronger. I'd had hand tremors for decades, since I was a little boy. These tremors passed to my head a few years before. Now this odd twitching. I want you to go see the doctor about this, my love said. Yes, ma'am. I had no intention of seeing a doctor. That said, I was disinclined to have an argument about it with my bride right before bedtime. I mean it. I want you to see the doctor. She always sees through me. Yes, ma'am, I know you do. I did eventually go see the doctor, several doctors, actually. Finally, I was referred to a movement disorder specialist. If you don't know, that's a neurologist who specializes in the treatment of neurologically specific diseases that affect movement. After many tests, evaluations, and ultimately a DAT scan or DAT scan, I received a diagnosis, Parkinson's disease. By then, I'd been suffering with it since my early mid-30s. It's even been suggested, though hard to confirm, that I may be one of the very rare people who developed it in childhood. The news hit me like a truck, a very big truck, a very big mean truck, one that hated me personally and after hitting me hard was purposeful in stopping, reversing, backing over me, then pulling forward again and finally hitting me a third time just to drive home an ugly, malicious, mean-spirited point. Nice. Hurt, steeped in despair, loss, hopelessness, and rending fear. These feelings remained with me for many months. Eventually, I began to find my footing. It took a while, but I finally recognized that life wasn't over. It was just changing and would continue to change for as long as I remain in this mortal frame. In the several intervening years, things continue to become more challenging. At the same time, my personal understanding has evolved and increased. There's an adage found in the Spider-Man comic series, with great power comes great responsibility. Is this perhaps derivative of something greater still? After all, the Savior of the world taught, for unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. A moment ago I made reference to my personal understanding. I'm learning that with personal suffering comes or may come, should come, an increased capacity to bless others who are also suffering. With great personal suffering seems to come an even greater capacity to bless others. Why is that? I'm unsure except to think that 
Perhaps it's consequential of knowing or having known pain, fear, and uncertainty. Knowing something well and personally gives one greater ability to navigate its treachery. Maybe this intimacy of knowledge also gives one more empathy for the suffering of others. I'll not pretend a complete understanding. I'll only say that I strongly suspect that the truth or a meaningful portion of it will be found therein with careful examination. Over time, my tremors have grown much worse. My balance is impaired, my stamina adversely impacted. The disease affects every muscle in the body. There was a time when only my hands, and primarily my right hand, were affected. Eventually, both hands became equally affected. Then there was a slight tremor in my head. Now my whole body shakes, and not just a little. I noticed my vision declining with alarming rapidity and made an appointment with the local ophthalmologist. I think that's what the eye doctor's called, ophthalmologist. Maybe it's optometry. Anyway, the eye doctor. As he looked into my eyes and tested them using drops and a variety of equipment, he said, Mr. Griffin, you have Parkinson's disease, isn't that right? Yes, sir. There are six muscles in each eye. Just as with the muscles in the rest of the body, those six are affected by the disease. I had no idea. Do you think bifocals would help? I asked. He did not think so. Parkinson's negatively impacts the muscles in the neck in a way that makes using progressive lenses difficult. All my adult life, I've been a man who loves to read and reads both broadly and deeply, both for educational purposes and for pleasure. My days of reading for pleasure are largely behind me. I just can't see well enough. Thank goodness for audiobooks. My head often nods up and down as though I'm being enthusiastically agreeable. Other times it shakes side to side as though I'm indicating strong disagreement. I feel this happening, of course, but it's so frequent that I give it little thought until someone points it out to me. A few years ago, a new bishop was called to serve our congregation at church. He's a good man that I both love and respect, someone whose friendship I value. After he was called to serve, I noticed over the course of several weeks that he seemed different around me, oddly subdued. I noticed it, but thought little of it as I've seen the burden of service affect those providing it in a variety of ways. On a particular Sunday, my excellent bishop and very good friend invited me into his office. I joined him there and, at his invitation, took a seat and waited for him to tell me what was on his mind. I could see he was hesitant to begin. Finally, what am I doing wrong? he asked. What do you mean? Every week when I speak from the pulpit, you sit there on the back row in your customary seat and you shake your head. No. And I know you're dissatisfied with what I'm saying, but I don't understand why. (laughs) Uh, I I laughed. (laughs) I shouldn't have, and I regretted doing so. But I just couldn't help it. My friend and ecclesiastical leader, who frankly deserved better from me, was obviously perplexed. Seeing his confused expression, I simply held up my hands. They shook terribly. I waited a moment to let the scene sink in on his thoughts. It's Parkinson's, I said. It affects my hands and also my head. Sometimes I appear to be agreeing, other times to disagree. In fact, I'm usually just listening. I'm sorry that you felt this way for so long. The fact is, I couldn't be any happier that you're my bishop. He felt better, and we've laughed together often about this since then. 
The muscles that control my voice are also affected. Years ago, I spoke with a much stronger, louder, fuller voice. In those days, if I'm not too boastful in saying so, I possessed a fine baritone singing voice. These days, my voice is much softer, and there's little point in my attempting to sing. In the early days of my personal experience with the disease post-diagnosis, I viewed all of this with both alarm and terrible dissatisfaction. I grieved every new loss. Fear, anger, resentment were my constant companions. Happily, I've learned better in recent years. Funny, for the first several years, nearly a decade, I didn't tell anyone, aside from my dearest love, about my diagnosis. I was so fearful. Still a young man, I feared the loss of employment. I feared and loathed the mockery, or worse still, the pity of both my friends and those with whom I'm less than friendly. Indeed, I almost couldn't bring myself to say the word Parkinson's. Eventually, the time came that even with the aggressive use of medication, I just couldn't hide the truth any longer. I was so unhappy with that reality. Finally, I began talking about it. Now I talk about it pretty often. I write about it. It's proven to be a freeing and wonderful relief to do so. These days, rather than trying to hide my personal circumstances, I'm blessed to have many people, friends, acquaintances, and even near strangers approach me to talk about the disease. They say things like, I've just been diagnosed. My dad has it. My mom's really struggling with it. My husband has it. My wife, what can I do? How do you deal with, how long did it take you to come to terms with it? And so much more. I let them ask whatever questions they need to ask, then try to help where I can. I think it's helpful to those who are struggling and trying to figure things out. It's certainly helpful to me. I'm able to give back. I'm able to continue to be of service to others. I'm blessed to be able to comfort those who are hurting. A good brother Mason confided in me that his father suffers with it. He wanted to know how to help his dad and also how to help his mother better cope. Two good friends and Brother Masons have now come to me seeking advice as to how to navigate their own personal Parkinson's journey. I'll tell you plainly, I don't have all the answers. I do have considerable experience with the disease and have some answers. Better still, I have several useful resources to which I can refer those who are seeking answers, and it gives me pleasure to share them with those and help where I can. Last year, I served as worshipful master of my lodge. It was a tremendous honor. <laughs> it was also a heavy lift. Good heavens, y'all. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. I loved my time in the East. It's difficult to successfully certify to serve as the master of a Masonic lodge in my jurisdiction. Indeed, it's one of the most difficult Masonic jurisdictions in which to become thus certified. Again, this is not a complaint. This is an observation of the truth. Frankly, I'm I'm pretty proud of what I was able to do. It required many months of careful preparation, study classes, diligent seminars, and hard work. Thankfully, I enjoyed the assistance of good friends and brothers who wanted to see me succeed. Additionally, I'm possessed of a stronger-than-average work ethic combined with a real desire to serve my brethren and the greater community. During the year that I served from the East, our lodge was extremely active. My officers and our brothers worked so hard to make the world around us better. It was a humbling experience for me when it was announced by the most worshipful Grand Master of Masons in our jurisdiction 
that I and my lodge with me were being recognized by being awarded the Grand Master's Award. It's an award given to very few worshipful masters and their lodges each year and is intended to recognize significant effort by the lodge, its officers, and members. There was more, much more, most of it wonderfully good. There were some difficult patches as well. Am I boasting? I, I hope not. Rather, I wish to highlight that all of this happened as I was in the midst of this ongoing and truly difficult struggle with a degenerative neurological disease that is slowly but persistently robbing me of physical capacity. It matters to me that good men can look at what we accomplished and know that despite there being truly difficult circumstances, we persevered and enjoyed real success. Y'all, if I can do hard things, most anyone can do hard things. Sometimes it's helpful for people to see that, or I like to tell myself that such is. I mentioned that my voice has been negatively affected by the disease, by way of illustration. On a particular day a few years ago, dearest love observed to me, we're out of ice, an ice maker struggling to keep up. Now, she didn't ask me to go to the store to purchase ice. However, I believe in the old saying, happy wife, happy life. It's a real thing. Yes, ma'am, I said, then grabbed my hat, walking stick, and some folding money, and headed down to the Piggly Wiggly to buy ice like a good husband ought to. While there, I picked up a few other items. Having completed the errand, I wheeled my buggy over to the only open lane and waited my turn. When that turn finally came, the woman at the register completed my order, and I paid. No sooner had the money changed hands than I remembered the dang ice. I was there for ice, and I didn't get any ice. Standing there, no doubt, with a funny look on my face, the woman asked if I needed anything else. Yes, ma'am. Ice, I said. What? she asked. I need a bag of ice, I said. The woman at the register frowned. Excuse me. I need a bag of ice, I repeated. Uh-uh. You ain't coming in here getting in my lane and talking to me like that. She was clearly angry at that point. Ma'am, I don't mean to make trouble. I just need ice. Then she picked up the intercom and said, I need a manager to my register right now. In just a moment, a manager arrived. Having heard the tone of her announcement, he arrived with a look of concern on his face. He looked at the cashier, saw a countenance of rage, and looked at me. What's going on? He asked the cashier. She related to him the perceived abuse she'd received from me and demanded that he do something about it. Ask him what he said, she demanded. Ask him what he said to me. She was so angry that tears began to fill her eyes. The manager, now obviously ready to run me out of the store, demanded, What did you say to her? To him, I said, I need a bag of ice, please. The manager heard my request. He paused, blinked, blinked again, appeared confused. His gaze shifted from me to the cashier, who then said, See, you see, can you believe that? I do not have to stand here and listen to this. This is not what y'all pay me for. Excuse me, sir. Will you please say that again, he asked. Now his face wore a look of concern. There was no more authority in his voice. May I please have a bag of ice? The cashier actually stomped her foot victoriously. She stomped it loud. You hear that? You hear that? You better do something about it. The poor woman was terribly offended. The store manager's face paled. What size bag of ice do you want? He asked. The larger size, if you please, I said. 
He rushed over to the ice machine, took out the larger of the two available sizes, brought it over to me, and placed it in my buggy. How much? I asked. No charge, he said. Come on, that isn't who I am. How much for the ice? Please take it, sir, he insisted. What did that poor woman believe I said? Something rude, I gather. She wouldn't be the first person who'd misunderstood me as my voice continues to soften and my words slur more often. Previously, I also alluded to issues with my balance. Earlier this week, I attended an excellent table lodge in an official capacity. There was much traditional toasting, a wonderful presentation, choice, company, and fellowship, and a very good man was honored and deservedly so. With each toast, I filled my little glass with Coke. Nothing more, just Coke. At the evening's end, I walked to my car. A very good brother approached me. Brother Hank, I can see you're struggling. You probably shouldn't drive. Why don't you let me take these nice folks home while you wait here? Then I'll come back, pick you up, and take you home. We'll come get your car tomorrow. <laughs> At first, I didn't understand. Then I realized this good brother thought I was snockered. That's East Texas for inebriated, which is to say drunk. He didn't want me to drive in that dangerous condition and was offering, very kindly offering, to provide me a safe ride home. Bless his good heart. Last evening, the officers of the Grand Lodge gathered to rehearse for an important event to be held in the coming days. After our practice was finished, some of us decided to gather for just a bit at a nearby restaurant, the Green Frog Cafe. Well, at the Green Frog Cafe, we enjoyed one another's company and good fellowship. At the counter, I tried at first to order Diet Dr. Pepper. That's my sugar-free beverage of choice. Sadly, there was no Diet Dr. Pepper to be had. Well, what else do you have? Diet Coke? Oh, no. How about a cherry Coke? Regular, not diet. Please, just, just regular. The woman disappeared for several minutes. While she was gone, I saw myself in the mirror. My medicine had mostly worn off by then. My head nodded vigorously. I stared and couldn't help but feel aghast. Good grief, I thought. Is that really what I look like now? It was not my physical appearance that troubled me. Happily, I'm still a moderately handsome old devil. I'm not trying to be indiscreet, but we all play in the cards we've been dealt. Rather, it was the uncontrollable and wildly exaggerated nodding of my head that concerned me. Yes, I feel it happening most days, but to see it as it was happening and the degree to which it was happening was, it was disquieting. I was relieved when the woman reappeared with the cherry coke in her hand. Having taken possession of it, I joined my brethren and tried not to think about what I saw in the mirror. I spent a half hour there fellowshipping with my brother Grand Lodge officers, who are also my friends. Then, feeling it was time to leave, I shook hands with everyone and excused myself. As I began to go, a brother, of whom I'm particularly fond, stopped me and whispered, Hank, are you okay to drive? I looked at him and saw real concern in his eyes. <laughs> my brother, I said, are you worried that cherry coke I had might have pushed me over the edge? I gave him a significant look that was intended to reassure. He smiled. We shook hands. I'm pretty sure he called me something rude as I walked away, which I probably deserved. On the way out, I realized this was twice now in two nights. I struggled with this and was finally comforted knowing that both of the very good brothers who expressed concern about my ability to drive were not being critical. They were not being ugly. They were not being discourteous or rude in any way, shape, or form. No, they were demonstrating such 
kindness, brotherly love, and real affection, sentiments that were worthy of them, worthy of the relationship that exists between us. I'm grateful for those gifts. I'm also dismayed that despite being what some would call a teetotaler or someone who doesn't consume any alcohol at all, I've been confused for someone who may have consumed too much alcohol in the last two evenings in a row. I'm thinking about acquiring a t-shirt or a hat or some nifty sort of sign to the effect, I'm not drunk, y'all. I just had Parkinson's. I know that I'm blessed with many friends that care for me. I couldn't be more grateful that this is so. Thank y'all for being concerned. I'm okay. By okay, I mean I'm not drunk. I just have Parkinson's. I'm not going to stop working to serve my community. I can't stop. If I were to do so, it's unlikely that I could get started again. And this being true, I'll continue to work to serve in whatever capacity I'm both able and permitted to serve in. I'll not stop. It won't be pretty. And I'm okay with that. I have to be. I hope and pray that my friends, neighbors, and brothers will also be okay with it. I need them to be. I need you to be. I said earlier, if I can do hard things, most anyone can. It's important to me to exemplify this for as long as the good Lord will continue to support me in doing so. There are so many good men and good women who are struggling with all kinds of difficulty. Too many believe they no longer have anything to offer, and that couldn't be further from the truth. I have two great works left in this life. The first one is to raise my young son to adulthood and see him get his start in life. The second, while accomplishing the first, is also to use my remaining time and strength in such a way that I'm able to personally make the world around me better and to inspire others to do likewise, no matter our personal challenges. Good men and good women will always have the capacity to do good, no matter their individual struggles. With great power comes great responsibility, for unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. I, I have been given much. It's important for me to spend the rest of my life giving much in return. Looking in the mirror at the Green Frog Cafe, I recognized that it may be unsettling for others to watch as I do so, and I can't help that. I'm not drunk. I have Parkinson's. Thanks for caring. Seriously, please don't stop. Much love, Hank. You've been hanked. Thanks for listening to You've Been Hanked. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor. Like, share, subscribe, and comment. It's easy and really makes a difference. Please help Hank help others by increasing the reach of You've Been Hanked.